Hungry Trilobite podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. The longest-running pop culture con in Oklahoma has a new look, a new mascot, and a fantastic guest list. Join us in Norman, Oklahoma, June 30th through July 2nd, 2023, and meet celebrities such as Billy West, John Scalzi, Erica Harlicker, and John Swayze. Visit SoonerCon.com to reserve your membership. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today I'm welcoming Lisa Alexander to the show. She has a film project that is just getting off the ground now. They're in pre-production, and I'm looking forward to seeing this grow. Let's get started right now. On tap today, we have Lisa Alexander. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. I have looked over this project that I found called My Father the Queen. It's an independent movie that you are putting together. And if I understand, you are wearing a lot of hats. You are writing, directing, producing. Uh, did I miss anything in that list? Mm, that's everything so far. Okay. That's everything so far. Um, I, I, there's so many things I want to talk about on this, but what means the most to you? Why have you put this together? I think the story is the most important thing to me. It started off as a novel and I struggled writing the novel because I was trying to write the adaptation for a screenplay at the same time. And some very kind soul took pity on my misery and suggested Lisa just write the screenplay. If that's where your passion is right now, just write the screenplay. And so that's what I ended up doing. And the feedback that I've gotten about the story is that it's definitely one that's been told that needs to be told because this particular perspective hasn't been seen on screen before. And so it's a touching story. It's a healing story. They told me um, when I started writing, they said, write, what do you know? And I know drama. I know drama very well. So <laughs> this is a dramatic piece. And I believe it's a story of healing. It's a healing story of forgiveness, self-awareness. And I think the audience will come away seeing things maybe hopefully a little bit differently. So if I understand what I'm looking at and the way you described it, it's not a story from your life, but it's a story that draws from your life experiences. Like I said, you know drama and what what this, and this made you say, this is the story that I personally need to tell. It is loosely based on my life. So some okay. of the characters are definitely, you know, um, my, um, Carolyn is definitely a portrayal of my mother. Now, some of the, um, of course, you have to expand and expand your story um to protect the innocent and the guilty so um it's 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 loosely based on my life and once I started writing the characters really did have their own stories to tell and so it definitely part of my own experience and then drawing from um experiences around me and it is the story of a and if I I haven't read the book, the screenplay, or seen the movie because it doesn't exist yet. But um, this woman is trying to protect her father, who is part of the LGBT community. The story, the close. The story is about a family who is trying to navigate life with a patriarch who is closeted. Okay. And what him keeping that secret, what that does to their family. So again, this is back in the '60s, the '70s, the '80s, and his choosing to remain closeted, what they did for relationships, the mental health aspects of this is like keeping a secret that big, choosing not to live authentically as yourself, what that does 
to a person and how that impacts their relationships. So we look at the relationships that were impacted by his decision. And the the mental health aspect is particularly drawing to me because as much as you'd have compassion for somebody living in that situation in the closet in the 60s, the way that's going to affect the people they love is equally important and, and it has a story all of itself. Um, is there, do you, when you looked at mental health, do you have specific diagnoses you give it? Or are you looking more at the process of dealing with it? So we have um, a licensed psychologist who is playing a licensed psychologist in the film. And so she did read over the script for us and made some changes. So what you will see are real dialogue. You won't see diagnoses per se, but you'll see somebody walking through a healing journey of mental health and how they should how how this particular character needs to deal with it. And we'll see what happens when you know you don't deal with it. So we definitely wanted to talk about it and make it okay for people of color to talk about therapy to go to therapy because it's still, there's still a stigma surrounding um, people of color, my community, the black community going to therapy. It just recently became okay to have these kinds of conversations and admit it's like, yes, I've seen a therapist had to. Mm-hmm. And so um, the movie further gives credence and gives an okay. If you see it in pictures, if you see in the movie, then it, you know it must be true, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, hopefully, that this will encourage healing and maybe reaching out to somebody who can help you work through childhood traumas, work through your own daddy issues, whatever. If you're um, re- remaining to stay in a closet, whatever that closet may be, help you deal with those issues so that you can be authentic, so that you can be a healed version of yourself. I love that you just said, if you see it on TV, it must be true, because I was just thinking that in the 60s and 70s, when your movies does start, if you saw a psychologist or a therapist's office on TV, it was always in the context of somebody who either had a complete mental breakdown or was ordered there by the courts. There wasn't really the option of somebody who went just to get better. Absolutely. And that was non-existent for communities of color. Mm -hmm. for communities of color, you had Jesus in the church and you were Mm -hmm. expected to toe the line. And I'm nodding here like I understand, but I don't understand that because that's not my life experience. So I'm glad you're telling me that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're, you you mentioned that your, your story does start in the sixties and seventies and continues through the present day. How, how does that start to change the conversation behind um, the, the marginalized communities and the mental health aspect, does that grow with the story as the, it moves along? It does. And that's particularly visible with our character, with the uh, male character. His name is Walter. And so you, you, you see his life, you see certain aspects of his life. And I purposefully didn't create him to be a villain. Now, even though he was a crappy father, um, he had some redeeming moments. And then you, you, if you, you watch it and you watch the story evolve, you see him, you see his struggle, you see the mental health breakdown and you're left feeling some kind of way about Walter by the end of the movie. You're not sure if you hate him, if you love him, if you're rooting for him. I had one person tell me, she was like, I'm, 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 I'm rooting for, she was reading and she was texting me at the same time. She's like, I'm rooting for Walter. So you do see his mental health how that how that happens throughout the film you get to track his journey and 
make your own decision at the end. I almost feel like when you tell a story from a mental health perspective, it's very difficult to actually have a villain because yes. everyone's the hero in their own story and we just have to see their story for a minute. Exactly. Very, very, very true. And so you, I don't have the, you know, scary man as the villain and it really, all, all the characters are complex and I wrote it that way um, so that we could see ourselves because we're, we are complex individuals, right? So we're not all any one thing. Nobody's all good. No one's all bad. You know, we're all balancing light and darkness within us. And depending on what day it is, you know, who you're going to get, right? It's like, it, it varies from day to day. And we all strive to be, you know, to be balanced and to, you know, be the best versions of ourselves. And so this film did not have any one-sided characters. No, and I'm grateful for that. And that's what compelled me more about it is the very different facets that you have in there that it, it deals with, um, uh, it, it deals with, issues of people of color, it deals with issues of, of race and, and uh, sexuality and mental health. And it when you see that, okay, this is this actually works together. It's not, a, it, it, it's a tapestry that actually comes together naturally instead of being forced together, which I've seen certain projects do that. And it, you know, more power to them, but your, your work I found a lot more compelling. Uh, do you have a timeline for when it's gonna to come together? So we are we are still fundraising because the life of an indie filmmaker is raising money. <laughs> a lot mm -hmm, of it mm -hmm. is raising money. So um, we do have a crew assembled. We've got certain members of the cast that have already signed on. Um, all the things that you need to do kind of like ahead of time, so pre-production. So our goal is to have all funds raised maybe by the end of the summer, and then we can start shooting. So the goal is to have the film out in 2024. The goal originally was in June. We're looking at maybe now, maybe you do on a holiday. I think a holiday release would be wonderful. Some Thanksgiving, Christmas, when Thanks. all the families are together. And I think it would be a great family movie for the holidays. Not, not a typical holiday movie, but one that probably needs to be seen before everybody gets to the um, Thanksgiving dinner table those Thanksgiving and Christmas movies, they have a way of being the ones that that hit you in an emotional spot, make you think about your place in the world and your place in life. Uh, so I think it will be very appropriate for that. Same, same. And I, I believe that's probably what we'll work towards as a holiday release. And when you're looking at this, uh, do you have a, a cast somewhat lined up or is this okay great great we do i have my my secret wish list people who i who i would mm -hmm. love to bring on you know the, the fundraising goes the way i'm hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that it goes across out there are certain people that i just see them in this role and i think they would be absolutely awesome um i'll say that <laughs> i'll say that we do have some people that we would love mm -hmm. to be a part of the film and while we're on the topic of doing the fundraiser, I'm going to link directly to the fundraiser in the show notes on my website, aaronbossig.com. And it's being fundraised through a site called ifundwomen.com. It is. It is. Um, this is my second fundraiser with them. And I love them particularly because they, for a couple of reasons, they have all the, they do a, a marketing session with you. They, um, walk you through what a successful campaign looks like. You know, you, they hold your hand through the entire thing. And what makes them so unique, besides the fact that they're working with women, trans women, non-binary people, is that um, they release funds as you get it. 
So you don't have like some of the others where you have to raise all your money before they release it. If somebody donates, then it's in your account in the, within the next 48 hours. That is such oh. a plus when you're, when you're raising money and you still need to you know, do all the things. That was a huge plus. So they, again, you get the money as it comes along. And that's right. great because as you know, the production, your needs may change as a production in the meantime, you have things you can't account for. This lets you redirect those funds so they're not sent to the wrong direction. Absolutely. So if you need to pay your attorney, you know, because someone has come on and you need to do contracts and things of that nature. So having having a system or a service like that was was one of the um, biggest factors for me in choosing to crowdfund on iFundWomen. So, you know, they deserve a shout out. They do they do awesome work. Definitely linked to them as well. And I want to look into them more because I am, uh, I was just saying on the previous episode, uh, I had a certain comic book uh, creator on there who was talking about how the small time artists really benefit from crowdfunding. And I'm all about Kickstarter, but when you can go the extra step and focus directly on marginalized communities and give them an extra leg up too, in this space where we're all fighting just to get our projects seen, that might make the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is, there are so many people who create great content. And I always say that TikTok has certainly been a game changer because you have some amazing people, just the creativity, what they're able to get done in 90 seconds is mind blowing, you know, absolutely love it. Absolutely love some of the creativity and the things that I've seen, but there are so many stories that need to be told and can be told, but getting them financed still continues to be to be an issue so you can crowdfund so much absolutely but then you also you're going to need help from bigger fish as they say and so sometimes getting in front of those people getting those audiences can be difficult because those are typically closed networks right Mm -hmm. and so unless you know someone who knows someone you know how do you get access because a lot of the production studios um, people where, you know, they say that, you know, we're producing women's films and black women's stories and LGBTQ, you know, we're here to promote, but if you don't, but we're also not accepting unsolicited work. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how do you get in? And it so it goes back to networks and, you know, who knows who and who can, who's, who's willing to put your name and your project forward. And so I, I'm finding that to be the issue right now. It's like, who who knows who and who's willing to put your project forward? And the reason I have such respect for the kind of project you're putting up is that you're doing what I always recommend is that somebody will, you're trying to get the whole thing together as much as possible before you actually go to the crowdfunding step. You have a script ready to go. You're, you have at least a, a concept of who you want for the actors. You have a production plan. And okay, now's the point where you're going to need more, but you're you're not waiting till the last minute just to try to put the, the whole thing together. It sounds like if you gave me the screenplay, I would enjoy reading it right now. Oh, absolutely. That <laughs> the screenplay has been reworked. One of the things they tell you about writing is that it's always you're rewriting. And so I would ask um, my friends in Facebook groups, uh, it's like, when is the script done? And, you know, because I had, I did, was growing weary of all the rewrites and they said, the script is done when the movie is out. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Oh, Oh gee. Okay. Thanks. So I think we're at a place now where we can lock down the script, which is a beautiful place to be in. Um, it's won two awards for best script. So it's award-winning even going into production as we get into production. Um, I'm very, 
I'm so I'm I'm pleased with the work. I'm 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 happy with it. Um, when people tell me when people read it, they go, "Oh my God!" You know, it's just like, "Oh my God! Oh my God!" I get that. I get that a lot from people that read it, and they were like, "We really want to get this story told." So I do. I have wonderful supporters. I've got great cheerleaders. Um, people who are scouring their own networks, and it's like, "Where can we get you in newspapers?" Art, you know, all those kinds of things. Just spreading awareness. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, one lady described it. She says, "Lisa, you're laying down the track before the train comes." And so we're laying down lots of track. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a name I'm going to throw your way when we, we end the episode here. I'll tell you off mic, but uh, you know, every little bit helps. And I think this is somebody who would be beneficial for you. And uh, when, where do you see this going? I mean, obviously there are certain communities that would appeal directly to this, but I see this as being the kind of movie that could just pick up because people will see something of themselves in this, even if they don't resemble the characters per se in appearance or lifestyle, they're just going to see a struggle there that they connect with. That's my hope, because what I know for sure is that um, daddy issues have no gender. No, no gender. And even if you're, you have mommy issues, there, there is no gender for that. And so there's a quote that says that um, fathers are a son's first hero and a daughter's first love. And then to that point, I add, until they're not if they're not emotionally available, if they don't have the emotional bandwidth to do that, then what happens to those children, you know, whose fathers can't validate for them, who can't be role models, who can't example for them? And what if they don't have any male masculine energy in their lives that can do that for them? What happens? What is the consequence of not having that in your life? Um, so, so again, that, that's, that goes beyond color, and gender. And then this is what I know for sure is that dysfunctional families know no color. For sure. Dysfunction is an equal opportunity employer. <laughs> it's, it's, I was it's about to ask what you consider to be daddy issues, but you just answered it very succinctly right there as, as to you know what happens when you don't have this role in your life. And it's usually the male parent that you're talking about, but not always. True. It's just that that's statistically where it tends to come from and where that vacuum tends to start that we, and I think as, as a, a culture, we're just seeing a lot of people being raised with that need in their lives that isn't being met and they don't realize it wasn't met until yeah. 20, 30 years later. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know part of my story. So my daddy issues were, and everybody's is different, what you weren't able to get from the relationship. So for mine, it wasn't getting validation or that you're okay. As you are, you're okay. So my relationship was always nitpicking, like what's wrong with your hair and what kind of shoes do you have on? And oh my God, did you gain weight? And what's wrong with your skin? And it was like, did you do this? So it was just, instead of being my protector, it was always this antagonist like what's wrong with me? So through middle school, through high school, through college as a married woman, what's wrong with me? It, it, it screwed with my self-esteem, my feel, uh, worth and value. And so I had to do that work for myself. So between journaling, it, I journaled for about 20 years because again, remember mental health in the black community was not even a thing, maybe until 2010. So before 2010, I did lots of journaling because I knew that the, I needed to process this and work through it. So for me, journaling was the way, a path forward to healing. And then after 2010s, 
you know, then it kind of became halfway okay to go talk to a therapist and get further help. So it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. It, for sure. And I, I respect you for that. And I respect you for please telling me about that, not only face-to-face here, but in your writing, mm-hmm. because that's likely to be the, the, the real legacy of, of what happened and, and how you got through it. Yeah. So, uh, so when it comes to the team that you're working with, the, 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 the other voices on board, I'm sure that there are some ride or die people on your team already, even with that you haven't signed on. What's the work dynamic like? I have, I have been fortunate to assemble a crew of people who are passionate about the project and not just passionate about the project, but, pra- but passionate about the work that they do. And so one of the things that has always been so important to me is to create a space for particularly women and people of color where they can come practice their craft to do amazing work. And we work on this amazing project together and it and it and and we have this beautiful body of work to say that hey we worked on this together and awards or not it's a safe place for people of color to come and create and con- to create content and to exist and be safe and okay because when i started i'm a graphic designer by trade so that was my first my first job out of out of high school going to um a, a community college of sorts was as a graphic designer. And I never saw anybody that looked like me in the art department. Mm -hmm. I never worked for, there was one female marketing communications manager that I worked for. That was it. I never saw myself. And so, you know, that could, that that's a level of stress, you know, being the only one in any, in any kind of situation. And so I knew I wanted to create it a safe space and a safe haven for creatives to come and to produce. And un- it's it's happening. And it's like, I have this beautiful team. There's one of my producers, her name is Catherine. And Catherine is, we'll say Persian, um, beautiful brown woman who is so knowledgeable. She has been a huge help and huge blessing. And so one of the, when we first started talking, one of the things that she told me was that, hey, she says, I have, when I was in college, I got a scholarship from the sorority that you're a part of. I'm like, oh, this is, this, this, this is serendipitous. And meant to be. And so I've assembled, to answer your question, I've got a great crew of people that want to work on the project, that do amazing work and have awesome bodies of work. Then you have people who just have extensive networks and they're going so hard for this project, they count it as their own baby. So I'm very grateful for that. That sounds fantastic. Sounds like you've thought this through a great deal and managed to connect with the right people. Yes. And, and, I like the idea of building a safe collaborative space because especially early on in a project, the ideas are so fragile and it's so hard to know what's good and what's worth throwing away that you really need to give people the space to just build and play and in some cases screw up before you find out what's going to work. Absolutely. One of the first things that I did, um, the DP and the first AD, we all live in the same city. And so we had worked on projects before, but this was going to be, this project was so huge. And so I invited them over to my house for dinner. So I cooked, we had wine and we talked about the project. And the first AD said, this has never happened. And it's like, we don't ever get to collaborate or just meet and get to know each other before a project takes off. And this is, this isn't how it works. And it's like, shouldn't we be having these kinds of, you know, just touch points where we get to know each other 
because we're going to be working together for at least a month straight. And it's like, I, I prefer to really get to know who I'm working with. That's, that's how I operate. Oh, you're seeing the reality of the industry there is that everybody's doing these gig jobs where they're going from project to project and they don't have the, I don't want to use the word luxury, but it is definitely something you don't get every day where you can have something that means this much to you that you want to invest, not just the, the month that you're doing the job, but the, the months leading up to it and the years to milk it after you're done to, yeah. to see it build a legacy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I believe in this team that mm -hmm. they are incredible people. And I, my prayer is that, you know, this somehow elevates them. The work elevates them as well. So it, I, I want everybody, there's room and space for everybody to win. I, just, I believe that. And I, I like to be connected. There's, um, there, there, there's an old saying, it's like, know the people that labor among you. Mm -hmm. Like, so know the people, <laughs> really get to know them. Um, so you'll know who you're working with. And then you'll know their strengths, the weaknesses. It's like, they'll know how you jive and you really do get to know each other. So I, I love, I love this team. With the movie in this stage of production, have you had a chance to build on the musical aspect? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. I am, I am traveling in a couple of weeks to um, Unsaid City, where we believe the, the film will be made. And so one of our executive producers, she has lined, oh my God, she has lined up some amazing meetings for us. Um, oh, not without giving out so much away. Sure. It, no. will be, it, it will be phenomenal. We've already got tentative yeses from certain people. And they were like, so I love this, Lisa, whatever you need, whatever, what, what, and, and, and the executive producer, she says, Lisa, they're like, they're giving you carte blanche, whatever you want, you can have. It's like, oh, thank you. So it's those kinds of doors that are opening. And so the music will definitely play a huge part of it because we're going to bring in elements of the black church. And if you know anything about the black church, the music is amazing. Um, so we, we, we've pulled in. A miracle. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Our executive producer pulled off a miracle. So keeping my fingers crossed for the meeting in a couple of weeks. Looking over the promo shots and, and the, the images of, of the father set up and in my head, I'm already hearing some music just by seeing, and I'm just, it's mental music. It's nothing that's in there. But then when you're in your comments that the music being central to the black church, which again, outside my realm of life experience, but it's like, I can tell this has to be a big part. And I was just very, very curious as to, to, and I will not compel you to say anything beyond what you're comfortable saying, but I very, find it very interesting. Yeah, music, music plays a huge part. It, music is a part of all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's why um, I'm a Gen Xer and there's certain music that you grew up with that's always, it, it holds a memory to your life. And so there are, there, there's a comedian who told a very real truth who says that music is so important and it's instrumental and, and music holds memories for us and so when we hear these songs they take us back to a time and space right and so he says so when you have a musician who's done some untoward things and you know we're not advocating for this musician anymore as music but it's like you know the struggle it's like but I still the music you know so music is so important and I've really taken that into consideration in this film that the music has to be on point that it it's it's critical to telling this story and there's certain, especially when it comes to film, 
when you find the song that just works for the moment, it's very, very difficult to find another one that works just as well. If you can't use that song, it's a heartbreaker. It really is. It really is. And so we're working very closely, you know, with this particular group um, and people, and we're, we're really going to make this work. And so that's where a good attorney comes in as well, you know, clearing copyrights, making sure that all the things are, all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed. Absolutely. So I'm, again, I'm going to link directly to the crowdfunder and the website and everything else I can put in the show notes. Thank you. If somebody wants to see this and they're they're going to get excited about it, how can they help the project? Okay, so they can help a couple of ways. Of course, the crowdfunding. Thank you. Thank you. And then I'm look, asking people to check their networks. Who do you know? Who's close to you? Um, either somebody, a funder, an investor. Do you know journalists? Do you know other podcasters? Anywhere we can keep spreading the word. All of it is greatly appreciated. Like, share, comment. All of it I count as love. And in your day-to-day life, when you're maybe not directly dealing with the fun stuff, the entertainment, your film groups and whatever, you probably have a community group on Facebook or on Twitter or any of the networks you might use that this may be relevant to their interest, even if they're not necessarily looking for film stuff. And I will leave the individual to decide what those groups are. But I, again, networking beyond just the entertainment sector is, is really helpful. Absolutely. So you reach out to, um, like I'm a member of a women's professional group. Mm-hmm. Um, so reached out to them because I don't know who they know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know all my um, sorority sisters. And so you, you just make the introductions or you, you, you make the ask, not knowing where the answer is going to come from. You have to make the ask. So I have, you know, you definitely reach out to the communities and people that are close to you and ask them to make ask on your behalf. And if you don't consider yourself an artist, this is how art gets done is by getting it out to the people who will appreciate it. And you can be a part of that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lisa, where can people follow your adventures on the web once this is all wrapped up? So I am all over Facebook. I am on Instagram. Um, the, 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 the movie has a, a website, www.myfatherthequeen.com. So um, updates will be there as well. Um, Twitter. So just about everywhere. I think the only place I am not is on TikTok. I do not have any content on TikTok. I, okay. I'm not yet, but every, everywhere else you can find me. Okay. Well, Lisa, I would thank you so much. I'd be glad to have you back anytime. Absolutely. Thank you. I would like to thank Lisa for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. I wish her team nothing but success on this project, and hopefully in a year or two, we have a fully finished movie that reflects all the hard work they put into this. I love watching independent films. I love watching independent comics and books, video games. If you have a project that you're working on and you're trying to get it off the ground, I would love to hear from you and your creative team. Reach out to me at bossigpodcast at yahoo.com or find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Hive at Aaron Bossig. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.